0: Hey guys, welcome to Calvary HSM. We are a place where we want to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. So we hope you enjoy this podcast. Well, good evening, my friends. How are y'all doing tonight? Not a single one of you. My goodness. Let me try that one more time. How are you all doing tonight? There we go. Oh, thank you. Um... Okay, what's the verdict? If you, uh, did anybody do the Barbenheimer double feature this weekend? You did? Yeah. What would you watch first? Um, that would be insane to start out with Barbie. I hadn't start with Start with Oppenheimer, finish with Barbie. That's Grace, by the way. She's one of our amazing leaders here, if you don't know her. <laughs> anybody else? Any other Barbenheimers this weekend? No? Did anyone see Barbie? Hands up. How, how was it? Yes, thumbs up, thumbs down. Quick, quick take. Medium, medium thumbs. Okay, way to invent your own category. Uh, any Oppenheimer viewers here? No, wow, I mean like that reflects the box office. Oppenheimer did great, Barbie did greater. Uh, what about if you had to choose, so everybody gets one hand raised, if you had to go later tonight to the movies and you were either going to see Barbie or Oppenheimer, raise your hands now if you pick Barbie. All right, hands down, raise your hands if you're team Oppenheimer. Nice, okay, pretty, honestly, pretty evenly split, I like it. I saw neither of them, I totally failed the assignment and I went to the movies this weekend and saw Mission Impossible, which was cool. Anybody see Mission Impossible? That was a good one. All, all I'll say is the train at the end was, um, Anywho, if I haven't had the pleasure, if I haven't had the privilege of meeting you yet, let me introduce myself. My name is Drew Walton, and I am an assistant director here at HSM. Uh, now, my phrasing is a little different than it normally gets to be. Usually I would say, hello, I'm Drew, and I'm the assistant director, but notice I said I am an assistant director here. I'm gonna tie my shoes so I don't trip off the stage and hurt any of you. Um, I made it worse but it's better, (laughs) who said fall on me, (laughs) Joey. Um, Now, like I said, I am not the assistant director, I am, or associate director, I should say, I am an associate director, because we have a new additional associate director in the house with us, and it's someone that you know, it's someone that you love, Um, and um, they once were, Uh, year-round intern, and now Sophia, who is leading us here, is officially an Associate Director here at HSM. So make some noise for Sophia. We are so excited about it. Uh, So excited that she is going to be staying with us, that she's bumped up to full-time. She has been an absolute blessing to us, and I would wager will continue to be an absolute blessing to us. So we're really excited about that. Give her a hug, give her a high-five after the service when you see her. Now, um, we're all friends here, yes? I can be a little vulnerable? Yeah? Cool. Um, so what I want to do is I want to be a little vulnerable and I want to share with you something about me, which is that for a lot of my life, I have been a total people pleaser. Any, any other people pleasers in the room? Anybody like, yeah, <laughs> y- y'all look too proud of that. You're like, yes, and I'm great at it. Uh, <laughs> So, recovering people, please are here. And here's what I mean by that. Now, like, some of, like everybody wants people to like them, right? Like, for me, I love being liked. Anybody else? Yes, and man. It's like when people are like, great job, or like, I'm impressed with you, or like, you really crushed it in that game, or like, you got on stage and played and it was amazing, or like, you're so funny, or you're just so smart. Or we like, like, everybody likes the feeling of being liked, right? Like, and I am no exemption. I love the feeling of when people like me. That's kind of just like a normal part of the human experience. And nobody likes being disliked, right? Like, that's pretty, like, common. But for me, I was one of those people who for a lot of my life it would just like wick, like wick, it would just like weed its way under my skin if someone disliked me. or If I felt like somebody like had a wrong interpretation of me or uh, maybe even like justly disliked me, like maybe they like thought something about me that like deep down inside I agreed with, but I was like, you're not allowed to think that about me, right? Uh, and it would drive me crazy. And it would be people who like, I didn't even know that well. Like someone would cut me off on the freeway and I'd be like, that felt personal. That person hates me. I wonder why. And I would think about it for the rest of the day. It would drive me Crazy. It would take away my mental peace. It would just like throw me for a loop. Um, and the reality is, is what I was doing, something I was doing, and maybe you'll relate to this if you're in the people pleaser camp, um, is that I was giving people, everybody, equal weight in what their opinions thought or what their opinions were of me, right? So like from the people who know me the best from my closest friends to like stranger on the street, if someone thought positively of me, I was like, great, I feel like a million bucks. And if somebody had any sort of a negative impression of me, it had equal weight and it could just ruin my day. Now some of the best advice I've ever been given was well, someone was talking about that exact thing of like you should not, it is actually illogical to let everybody's opinion of you have equal weight. So what was proposed to me is this idea of like, have five people, like narrow your list down to five people and choose who those are carefully. Like people, they they should be people who know you really well. They should be people who want what's best for you. People who will call you out if you're being a butthead. Uh, but people who are on your side, who are cheering you on, um, who believe in you and will not lie to you, right? And you narrow it down to those list of five people. And whenever some random person uh, gets under your skin or gets into your head and you're in that kind of like fight or flight mode where I like, I want to defend myself or I like, I feel like trash. I'm going to go back to that list of five people, maybe even reach out to them and be like, Hey, this person said this thing about me. What's your take on it? Do you, am I being this way? And if they're like, yeah, you are cut it out. Then that gets to have some weight. I'm like, okay. And if they're like, no, I don't see that. Then I'm like, okay. I'm just going to let that go. I'm going to let these people's opinions of me matter, and I'm going to move on with my life. That's just for free before we get into the topic for the day. I don't know why I keep on tying my shoelace while talking. It's like a magic trick. Um, but here's the deal. We're in our summer series, um, and it's called, anybody know the name of the series? Cheat code. It's on the screen behind me. Life hurts, God heals. you agree? Disagree? we think it's true? How about the first statement? Life hurts right? Like sometimes, I gotta clap, like amen. Sometimes life is amazing, right? Sometimes we reach the highest heights and we feel like we're on cloud nine and we've never been more joyful, never been happier. We uh, experience discovery, we experience newness, we experience triumph, right? And like life can be a beautiful thing. It can be an amazing pursuit. And then at other times, it can be really hard, Right, like sometimes life sneaks up on you and it's really painful. Sometimes life sneaks up on you and just sucker punches you and you don't know what to do with it, right? Like life is just a part of life. That's part of the tapestry of the human experience. Sometimes it's great, but sometimes life really hurts. Sometimes it's really brutally difficult, right? And maybe you're in the season of like, life's going great right now, I feel untouchable. And maybe you're here and you're in the season of like, it sucks right now. Um, And here's the reality is that in all of that, in the good seasons, in the bad seasons, Um, Yes, life hurts at times, but we have a God who meets us in that suffering, who leads us through and out of that suffering, um, and he is a God who heals. And so that's kind of what we're taking the summer to do, is let's look at some of the places in life, some of the top places where life tends to hurt us individually. And look at what God has to speak into that for us, what, how he wants to meet us in that and how he wants to lead us on from that. And so tonight, is our second to last week in the series. So next week, we'll be wrapping this up. And the week after that, we're at camp, woohoo, uh, which is amazing. But this week, what I want to talk to you guys about, what I want to talk with you guys about is comparison, right? Anyone ever heard the quote, comparison is the thief of joy? Anyone ever heard that? Yeah. Yes, no, yes, no. Some people are like, this feels like a trap. Is he going to call me on stage? No, I'm not. Um, Comparison is the thief of joy, right? And it's this notion. It's this idea. I I looked it up. I I was going around life. I was like, that's C.S. Lewis. And then I looked it up, and some people were telling me it was Teddy Roosevelt. Some people were telling me it was Mark Twain. So if you know who actually the quote comes from, let me know afterwards. But um, comparison is the thief of joy. Is this acknowledgement or this idea that when we go around kind of measuring ourselves against every other person, weighing ourselves and our value against other people, that usually never brings a net positive into our life, right? Like that usually will drain the enjoyment out of life. It usually will kind of like cut you down at your knees and make it difficult or maybe even impossible to move forward. Comparison is the thief of joy. And here's, I just want to let you in on my thought process. I would say for the most part, I agree with that. Like like on the surface, as a general statement, I think that's true. But if I can be honest with you guys, I also feel a tension with that, right? Like a comparison, when I go around and I'm comparing how well I'm doing to other people, or I'm comparing what I have to what someone else has, usually is a net negative in my life. But then at the same time, I, I experience where sometimes comparing, if, if it's done in a healthy way, can bring a net positive to my life, right? And here's what I mean. It's like, like the tension that I hold is that there's a destructive kind of comparison, no doubt, where I'm like measuring myself against other people, uh, against their accomplishments, or their achievements, some maybe just intangibles, how they look, um, how smart they are, how funny they are, right? All those things, how athletic they are. And I can kind of be self-destructive in my thinking about that, and that, that can cripple me and make me feel um, less worthy, more um, hopeless, all those things. But at the same time, I recognize in my and in my life, there are times when the ability to compare and kind of like weigh and measure uh, against what I see other people doing, how I see other people achieving and conquering and triumphing, sometimes that's, a, that's the thing where I look and it inspires me, right? Like I see it and I'm like, okay, if they can do it, I can do it. And it motivates me to get up and keep going or it motivates me to work harder. It motivates me to recommit to my goals, right? And so like there's kind of this tension that I experience when I think about comparison. Like, yes, I think comparison usually is a net negative, but also there's a kind of comparison that I'm trying to figure out um, that seems to be a positive, and that's what I wanna dig into uh, with us tonight. But the reality is we all struggle with comparison, sometimes in big ways, sometimes in little ways, uh, but let's talk about the kind of like negative comparison that we all deal with. Let me give you some examples of what that might look like. Let's say, for instance, that you're someone and you set a goal and you have an ambition and you're like, you know what, I'm gonna get into the gym and I've got my goals to accomplish in the gym, whether it's like I wanna like b- build my cardiovascular health, I wanna put on muscle like I want a tone or whatever the goal is, right? And so you, let's say you get ready, you're motivated, you've given yourself the pep talk, you've learned the things that you want to do, right? Like you get into the gym and you're pumped, you're ready for your workout and you start and your focus is on that. But then slowly your focus starts to go to the other people in the gym, right? And suddenly you're not focusing on your workout, suddenly you're focusing on the other bodies around you. And you're noticing that there are people who you think are aesthetically more beautiful or appealing than you. You're noticing that there's people who are stronger maybe that can lift more with you. you're noticing that there's people who are just like gliding on the treadmill, and you're like, I am sucking wind right now. Like, I feel so tired, right? And we start to compare, right? We start to look at, well, they have this skill, or they look this way, or they're this strong, right? And we start to give ourselves that back talk, and we start to tear ourselves down that by the time that you get back to your workout, or maybe you look in the mirror even, you're not feeling motivated anymore. You're not feeling excited. You're not feeling like I can tackle this thing. You're not feeling like the steps I'm going to take are going to get me where I want to go. What you're actually doing is you're starting to resist those people and you're starting to dislike yourself even more or maybe you're feeling like is this even a worthwhile pursuit maybe you put in like a half-hearted 10-minute workout and then you're just like I'm out of here and you leave Right, Like, that's the kind of comparison that we're talking about that robs us of our joy, that cuts us off at the knees, right? Or maybe for you at school, like maybe you're like, you know what, I've got a goal, I've got an ambition, I'm going to learn, like I'm going to put in the energy, I'm going to work harder, I'm going to raise my grades, or I'm going to like achieve a thing that will help set up my future, right? And so it's like, I'm going to commit myself to studying, or I'm going to commit myself to actually doing my homework, that was me, do your homework. I, w- I would always like, I'm fine on tests, and then I would kind of like do half the homework, and that never went well for me, so do your homework. But um, Maybe you like commit yourself to working hard, um, to putting in the effort to get the grades up, um, to get you either to the school you wanna go to or to learn so you can speak more intelligently about a thing or whatever, right? And then suddenly you're encountered with somebody who it seems like they're not even working. Right, it's like I studied six hours last night for this test and they're like oh I didn't study and the papers come back and you got a C plus and they got an A plus, right? And it's discouraging, it's like what? why is it easy for that person and I put in so much work and I didn't get as far as I had hoped I would get, right? And it seems like it's so simple for them. Right? Or they just kind of like, they spent 15 minutes and they somehow like mowed through all their homework and it's done and you're like, I've got four hours worth tonight and I'm so exhausted, I just got back from my practice and I don't know how I'm gonna do that and sleep, right? And it gets discouraging when we start comparing, when we start looking at them versus me. We tell ourselves the story that I'm not enough, I'm not capable, I'm not smart, uh, I'm not worthwhile. Or maybe for you it's sports, right? Like maybe you're like, I want that starting position, I'm gonna work hard for it. I'm gonna bust my butt, I'm gonna show up to training, I'm going to put in my own time in the gym or on the field, like maybe like I'm going to work with a private coach, like all those things. And then there's those people who are just kind of like natural phenoms, right? And it's just kind of like, it doesn't seem like it's that difficult for them. They're just kind of like step onto the field and they just go or step onto the court and they just go. And everybody can recognize that they're so gifted and you're like, I've been working so hard. And is it just like, maybe it's just like some people have it and some people don't. Like, should I even put in the effort? And we talk ourselves out of it. We discourage ourselves, right? We cut ourselves off at the knees. Or maybe it's like people in social settings. Maybe you're like trying to build your friend group or you're like trying to find that significant other, right? And you're like putting in the work. You're like, I got to like do some laps around this gathering, say what's up to people. Or I'm like working on being more confident, like talking to people and not like talking myself out of talking to people. Or maybe it's like, I'm going to take a risk and try to be funny right now. And then all of a sudden there's these people who just kind of like glide through life on clouds and everybody loves them and they're super winsome and they're hilarious and they've got the cool factor, right? And it's just so easy. And you feel like when they walk in the room, suddenly no attention's on you and it's all on that person. And you just kind of like left feeling like, well, I feel like I was kind of awkward. I made a joke and it didn't land and all that stuff. Right. And we discourage ourselves. We talk ourselves out of trying. We talk ourselves out of risking. Right. Or maybe like if we're like, if we're going to go down to the basement of this, maybe you go through life and you feel like there's a favorite in your family and it's not you. And that's tough, where you're like, I'm looking at my brother or my sister, and it's like, they seem to get all of the breaks in life, and I'm here trying to do my best, and it's not fair. And so, like, why should I even bother, right? Like, comparison is this thing that when we give it control, when we put it in the driver's seat of our mind, it never takes us to good places. It never makes us happier. It never makes us healthier. It never moves us towards the direction of the things that we want to do. It always discourages us. It's always piling a weight on us that we should not be carrying around with us. And here's the thing. If we're really honest, some of us are really mean to ourselves. Like some of you are really mean to yourself in the way that you talk to yourself. And you would never talk to another person that way. But you look at yourself in the mirror in the morning and you are cruel to yourself. And you just criticize everything about you. You, go, you have a list of things that you wish you could change about yourself, things that you don't like about yourself. And you need to stop doing that. It's not good for you. It's not meant for you. Take that and put it away. You're never supposed to hold on to that. Now, on the other end of things, right? So there's like the negative comparison that just like cuts us off at the knees, renders us powerless, renders us hopeless, makes us not even want to try, right? And then on the other end of things, there's also the kind of like, there's a sort of like, like a self-acceptance that's also paralyzing, Right? There's sort of this like hashtag perfectly imperfect. And so I'm just gonna fully accept things the way they are, and I'm never gonna get up and move towards improving. Right? I'm never gonna get up and move towards my goals. I just am what I am, I'm perfectly imperfect, and I'm just gonna deal with that, and it's gonna paralyze me where I am, and I'm not even gonna try anymore. Like maybe like deep in my heart, I have a desire to X, Y, or Z, but it's not worth it. I'll probably never get there. And so I'm just gonna stop trying. I'm going to like accept myself as perfectly imperfect, and I'm not going to pursue growth at all, right? And both of them are destructive for our lives. Both of them will rob you of your joy. And here's the thing, the impulse for us to compare is a totally natural thing. We all do it, right? We all kind of like go through evaluating like chain of command, social hierarchy. Part of comparison, part of wanting to be liked is this sort of like social um, safety net right and it's just kind of like ingrained into your brain in like the deep parts of it of this notion of like i'm safer in the collective tribe right and so like if i feel a sense of belonging or if people accept me if they like me i have more social utility to them that gives me a feeling of safety of security they're not going to exile me they're not going to ostracize me i'm safe in numbers i'll have a community that will have my back that will accept me we can share resources all of that is like deep in your like brain basement Right. And on the other end of that, we have this fear built in where like, okay, well, if people don't accept me, if the tribe, quote unquote, rejects me, well, then I'm out on my own. I'm exposed to the elements. I'm in danger of attack. Right. And we carry this around and like bring that forward to 2023. And there's a whole kind of cocktail of consequences that come with that right? And so the impulse to compare is totally normal. It's just part of the human thing. But the way that we do it, the path we take in our mind will take us in very positive directions or in very negative directions. And so there's this tension that I've been feeling that I've been thinking through and dealing with, um, trying to make sense of. And I was talking with some friends the other night about this exact thing. And I just kind of put it to them. I was like, what do you think about this? Like, there, it seems to me that there's like a really destructive kind of comparison game that we do with ourselves to other people. Um, and it's really a negative thing. And it's makes us feel cruddy, uh, makes us feel powerless, all of that. But then also it seems like there's this kind of like constructive um, comparison and like, where is the line? Like, what is the difference? Um, and a buddy of mine responded and he said something. He's also a pastor. He said something that I thought was really interesting. I think might be the core of it. Here's what he said. He said, the, the secret is to compare the process, not the results. Right? Let me say that again. The secret is comparing the process, not the results. Right? And so it, when, when we're comparing, like if I'm comparing, if I have a goal, right? like if I wanna get better at math, math was never my like, immediate like, A plus subject, I had to work on it. If I wanna get better at math, right? The thing that I should do actually is to find people who are really good at math and not use that to draw a, like a chasm between us and just like tell myself how different we are. What I should do is I should find someone who's really good at math and then figure out what their process is that they got better at it, right? Like we compare process that can be constructive, right? Like if I have a goal, if I have a goal in the gym or if I want to become a good chef or XYZ, you name it, right? Like if you find someone who's good at that or who shares that goal, comparing and contrasting process can be very constructive, right? It could be like, oh, that's actually really interesting. I never thought about that approach. I'm going to try that on. And maybe you try it on and you're like, nope, that's not for me. I'm going to keep finding processes. Or maybe you try it and you're like, wow, this is the thing that totally unlocked this wall that I couldn't get through. And suddenly I'm moving forward, right? Like it can be really positive when we compare the process rather than the results. When we just compare results, when we compare like where I am now and where the person who's way better at the thing is than me, all I'm going to do is discourage myself. And it's actually unrealistic because I'm not tapping into all the work that they put into it are all the things that are in place for them to be great at that thing. And here's the thing, is that actually pride, this is like, like a psychology thing, they found pride and insecurity are actually two sides of the same coin, right? And like when we feel really proud or we feel really insecure, it's the same thing. And usually when people have like active performative pride where you're like, gosh, that person's so prideful, deeply rooted up behind that is usually an insecurity. A fear of I'm less than, a fear of I'll be found out, a fear of nobody really will love me, so I'll put up this facade. That's usually what is going on. And so what I want to ask us tonight to think through is, okay, first, what does humble and constructive comparison look like? humble and constructive comparison. What does it look like? And what I want to pose to you is that it looks like learning practices and approaches from people who have the same goals as you. So let's just dive into a few examples. Uh, Like we talked about earlier, like if your goal is in the gym, let's say you want, let's say you're someone in the room and you're like, I want to put on 15 pounds of muscle. Anyone, is that your goal? You're like 15 by the end of the year, right? You know, it's just like, me. Um, I feel that. I think a lot of dudes are like, yes. Um, But let's say your goal is to put on 15 pounds of muscle right? If your approach is, I cannot compare to anyone, comparison is bad, so I'm just going to put on blinders and earplugs to what anyone else is doing, but I'm going to get in there, and I'm going to achieve my goal and gain the muscle. I, I mean, m- perhaps, but you're probably going to make it really hard on yourself, right? Like, there's a lot of information out there, right? Like, you could learn approaches, timing, like, learn about, like, your different, like, splits, right? Like, back, buys, chest, tries. anyone? Uh, whenever guys are like, I, I came from the gym, I'm always like, what's your split? And it's always fun to hear Uh, what they're talking about, but maybe even like something like form, right? Like maybe you're going, you're like, I can't compare. I'm not going to look at anybody else. And your form is garbage and you just end up hurting yourself, right? Like that's where constructive comparison can be helpful to say, Hey, do you know what? Actually, I'm kind of looking at what you're doing. It seems a little different than what I'm doing. Can you help me think through this, right? Like, can you help me understand what's happening here? Or maybe for you, it's studying, right? Like maybe your goal is like, I want to get way better at school at academics. I want to do better on tests. I want to raise my grades, right? Like constructive comparison can look a lot like, okay I'm going to talk to the people who are excelling in this class who are doing really well on the test and I want to figure out what their study methods are I want to figure out like are you doing the like study right before bed so you like learn it in your sleep anybody ever try that I always tried that it didn't really work for me uh, but apparently you like retain more like your brain keeps learning it over sleep or I used to do the like drink peppermint tea or two peppermint gum apparently peppermint's good for your focus anyone Wow I could teach a seminar on like hokey, probably made up study things. Um, But maybe you talk to somebody and you figure out, oh, actually, there's a note card system that they've been doing that actually works great for me and I'm going to use that moving forward. Constructive, right? Like Maybe you want to build your own business and rather than just kind of like going through and then being like, whoops, I committed tax fraud, didn't know that was a thing, right? Like maybe you find people who can coach you through the process, right? What we're talking about is like mentorship really. Like the process of like mentor-mentee kind of at its essence. Is like a loving compare and contrast, right? Like, here's my situation. Does it compare to anything from your experience? You've lived more life than me, right? How does it compare? How does it contrast? What did you do that blew up in your face that I can learn from? What did you do that went great for you that I can learn from, right? Like, compare and contrast can be a really helpful thing. But on the other end of that, we do have a tendency to compare in destructive ways, in mean-hearted-towards-ourself ways, where we start looking at like, other people's uh, physical abilities, other people's mental abilities, other people's financial standing, other people's social skills, even if we're really honest with ourselves, other people's spiritual lives. Right? Like We're in church right now, and the design that God intended for church is that this would be a place where we're not competing against each other. Right, like The design for church is that this is a place where we can all all acknowledge, I'm not perfect, but I'm a work in progress. And we can all show up for each other and cheer each other on, root for each other, help each other get better, to grow, um, to be with each other through the failures, through the triumphs, to know that we're held safe in love, but also to get up and strive to improve, to be better, and to meet with a God who loves us no matter what, but also wants to partner with us in our growth moving forward. That's the design for church. But if we're honest, guys, sometimes what we do is we throw all that out and we show up and we're like, gosh, that person's way better than me. Gosh, that person seems to love reading the Bible. And it's kind of feels like a chore for me. And like, am I allowed to talk about that? Uh, I don't know if I am. So I'm just going to like pretend that I love reading the Bible, but I haven't read my Bible in six months. Right. Or like that person seems like when they pray, it seems like they're hearing from God. And I don't feel like I'm hearing from God. And I kind of like fumble through and other like special words I'm supposed to do. And I don't know. Or like, I have been trying to get this sin behavior out of my life for the last eight months. And it's reoccurred every week for the last eight months. And I don't feel like I'm getting ground. And then these people over here seem like they just don't struggle at all. And they're just kind of like skipping around with harps, like little angels. And they're doing great, right? Like we compare ourselves to other people. And let me tell you, that is nothing but destructive to you and your growth. And that's nothing but destructive to us and our community. That's not the heart of God. And that's not the heart of what it looks like to be in a church community. So we can just let that go. So then the question is, when we get into these sort of mental spirals, when we get into this place where it's destructive comparison, where suddenly I'm looking at where someone else is and what they have, whether it's their gifting, their skills, their accomplishment, just like the good things that like grace their lives, like they get a big win and it's kind of like, well, what about me, right? Like when we're in that comparison mode, what are the practices that we can adapt to help us to get out of them? That's what I want to look at with the rest of our time together tonight. So here's the first thing that I want to pose to you guys. The first thing is this, when you get into that comparison spiral where suddenly you start tacking bad to yourself about yourself, you start feeling less than, you start feeling powerless, you start feeling like it's not even worth trying. The first thing that you should do is to remember that God made you to be you. He didn't make you to be someone else. He wasn't like, oh gosh. I made Zach, but I really wanted another Joey. Whoops, like why can't, like God didn't, doesn't make us that way, right? Like we've already got a Joey and he's great at being Joey. There's no one better at being Joey than the Joey that we have, right? And so it would be foolish for any of us to try to be Joey because God made Joey to be Joey and God made you to be you, right? And so when we get in that comparison spiral, we have to remind ourselves, we have to teach ourselves, we have to tell ourselves, and we have to remember that God made me to be me. Right? So here's what that might look like in practice. Here's what that might be. I'm gonna take a sip of water real quick cause I'm getting heated up. Cause I care. So God made you to be you. What are some practical things that that looks like? The first is this. I might ruffle some feathers. You have the body that God gave you with all of its specific advantages and with all of its limitations right? Like God didn't like whoops you when he was designing you. He created you to have specific advantages, things that you're naturally good at, naturally gifted at, that not everybody else is naturally good and gifted at. He made you with a special design and he made you with specific limitations too. And I think that's where we really bristle with them. We get really frustrated because we look at other people's gifting and we compare it to our limitations and we're like, what the heck, God, do you hate me? Like, what is this all about? But God designed you deliberately. He designed you with purpose on purpose. In Psalm 139, it says this. David's talking to the Lord, and he says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And so I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. Right? Like you are in the body that God puts you in deliberately with all of its specific advantages and with all of its specific limitations right? And so when you look at someone who's got like some sort of ability that you physically wish you had, or some sort of characteristic that you wish you had, and you start to play that mental game where it's like, this isn't fair. I don't like this. That person's better than me. I'm garbage, right? When you start doing that, remember that God made you to be you and that he puts you right where he wanted you. The next thing that that means is that you were born in the time and in the place that God determined, that wasn't like a whoops. Like sometimes you'll hear people be like, oh, you're an old soul, right? Or like, oh, you should have been born 60 years ago, right? Or maybe you feel like out of place. Maybe you're kind of like, I'm interested in different, you're like, I like old vinyl records and like fashion from the 40s and I feel like so out of place in 19, or in 19, in 2023, right? (laughs) Maybe I'm out of place. No, but you are not in the wrong time place you are not in the wrong geography. You are right where God puts you. And sometimes we do this thing where it's like, oh, if only I was born 20 years in the future, I didn't have to deal with any of this. Or if only I was born 100 years in the past, if only I'd been born in New York, in Manhattan, or if only I'd been born in Paris in the 20s, that really should have been my time. And this doesn't feel like it fits. But the reality is in Acts 17, it says this. It says, from one man, he, God, made the nations. That man is Adam, right? He says, from one man, God made the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. That includes us. You are exactly where God decided you ought to be when God decided you ought to be. And so when you feel out of place, whether in your body, when you feel out of place in your geography, in your time, you can remember God made you to be you. He puts you right here, right now, and there's design behind that. There's intention behind that that. There's love behind that. And the next thing that we remind ourselves when we're in that mental spiral is this. God considers you a necessary part of Christ's body. A necessary part. And here's what I mean. Like maybe, like maybe you've grown up in church and you're like, yes, I'm part of Christ's body. Uh, you're like, yeah, I've heard that before. Or maybe you're like kind of checking things out and you're like, Johnny, what now? Like, I'm in what body, right? Like you're like, I have a body, right? Like i got like a head, shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes. But what does that mean? Well, The fact that we are the body of Christ is one of those images, one of those pictures that shows up throughout Scripture. And here's what it means. Is that we as the church actually are only vital and vibrant and alive when we are operating together. The Bible depicts us as one body with many parts. And if we're not unified, there's no life in it. So in other words, if you walked into this room and you just saw body parts around the room, that's a crime scene. Right? You'd be like, well, this appears to be an ear, and there's part of someone's nose, and here's a pool of blood, right? Like, one body in, in many divided parts is not alive. That's horrendous. That's gross, right? That's like you need a cleanup crew with hazmat suits, right? The notion is that if we're one body, we actually only function healthfully if we're together, but we're not just one thing. We're one body with many parts, right? Like the, the picture is that Christ is the head. We're the rest of the body and each has an important, a unique function. And here's the other thing that that means, that if you extract yourself from this, you're amputating a part of the body from the rest of us. That's vital to us. Right? Like when you stop participating, when you're not here, when you withhold yourself or withdraw yourself or think I'm not worth it, I don't have any significance, I don't have anything to offer, and you extract yourself, actually you're amputating something from the rest of us that's vital to us. We need you. And also, when you extract yourself and you think, I'm just going to be a lone wolf. I'm just going to do this on my own. Like, I, it's too embarrassing to be like, seen trying in front of all these people, so I'm just going to do this whole thing alone. Actually, you're robbing yourself of the vitality of the rest of the body of Christ, of this community, right? He, has, he considers you a necessary part of the body. 1 Corinthians says it in chapter 12. He says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. But not only that, also he has given you particular gifts to use for the sake of the body right? You have unique things about you. You have things that you're good at, or maybe even things that you haven't discovered are giftings for you yet that you will discover in time. But he's designed you with specific things that don't exist anywhere else that are for you to build into the community that God puts you in. Whether it's this faith community here, whether you call a different church your home, whether in a year or two years or three years or four years you graduate from high school and you move somewhere else, you go abroad, whatever, that you can plug into the body of Christ wherever you are globally, and you belong there, but not only that, that you have specific gifts that he has given you to bless the people that you're going to be in community with. He's given you specific gifts. Romans 12 tells us this. He says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, right? That by God's grace, we have different gifts, and so the best thing we can do is use them to bless the people around us. So that's part one. That's remember that God made you to be you. He made you unique. He puts you right in the body that he wanted you in, right in the time that he wanted you in, right in the geography that he wanted you in, Um, that you're vital to his church, that you have special gifts that not everybody has that you can use to bless people. The next thing that we do when that record starts playing in our heads, when we start comparing ourselves in a way that's destructive to ourselves, we battle the urge to compare the concrete facts of our life to others, and here's what I mean by that. There's comparison that's that it can be really constructive, really healthy in the things that are like forward momentum, right? Like I'm growing in my ability to do this thing, right? Like I'm growing in my social skills. I'm growing in my physical strength. I'm growing in my intelligence, right? Comparing practices, methodologies can be really helpful there. When we, gr- when we compare the things that are actually unchanging about us, that's where it starts to get destructive for us, and we need to battle that. Some of us go around life being like, I wish I was three inches taller, or I wish I was six inches shorter. And we just, we go to war with it. And we, every person who's like taller than us or like the shorter height that we think is like the ideal thing, we look at them and we kind of like get into this weird thing where it's like, I kind of resent this person for this thing that like, they didn't do something to me. They just are like doing life. But like, I feel angry and upset. And then I'm frustrated with myself and I'm frustrated with God. And I feel like I just need to change this thing about me. Right? Like we get into this thing where it's like, I like, there's a wrongness with me. And the reality is, is like, no, there's not. You're exactly who you're supposed to be. Now there's room for growth, right? Like, one, like the difference, we talk about this all the time. Um, the difference between salvation, right? Like I've put my faith in Jesus Christ. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says I'm safe. I'm fully known. I'm fully loved. I'm fully forgiven. And that's the rest of my life. That's salvation. But then there's also sanctification, which means for the rest of my life, me and God are going to partner together in my growth towards holiness and my growth towards being a good man and my growth towards being a good woman in my ability to say no to the things that God asks me to say no to because they're bad for me and my ability to take hold of the things that are good for me and my ability to grow in depth in wisdom in kindness and compassion all those things that's a partnership for the rest of your life and you should always be on a forward trajectory but we when we get into comparison with things like the family that I was born in that you know In God's wisdom, in his goodness, in his love, some people in the room, he's put in these families that are like, you're like A plus family. I love my family. We get along, we have fun, nobody's perfect, but it's great. And some of you are in this room like, that is the farthest thing from my experience of my family. And I start comparing and it only makes me bitter. It only makes me discouraged. It only makes me feel like I don't fit more, right? The road of comparing things that are unchanging in your life will never take you somewhere good. So battle the impulse to do it, right? Here's what you need to remember in that. Your life has a sacred purpose and a design. And sometimes difficult things in our life are actually the things that set us on the course for greatness, for the thing that we need to know, the thing that we need to learn, the person that we need to meet and bless, right? Like they set us on a path. Your life has a sacred purpose and a sacred design. 1 Corinthians 7 tells us this, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to them and to which God has called them. This is my rule for all the churches. In other words, don't try to live somebody else's life just because you don't like the story right now as it's unfolding of yours right? The best thing you can do is, you know what? I'm going to take this life I've been given and I'm going to live it and I'm going to live it hard. I'm going to go all in on this experience, Uh, you know, all the hardships and all the triumphs. I'm going to embrace it. Also remember that by the grace of God, You are what you are. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us this. It says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was within me. And some of us need to wake up every morning and look ourselves in the mirror and remind ourselves, I am what I am by the grace of God. I, have, I, I am physically the way that I am, I'm in the circumstances that I'm in, I'm in the geography that I'm in, I'm in the financial situation that I'm in, I'm in the either like secure feeling about the future or the uncertain feeling about the future uh, by the grace of God that God has graced me to be here right now and he's got the strength, he's got the love, the compassion and the ability to carry me through it but I am right here right now with all of the the amazing things about me and all of the things that I don't like about me. I'm right here right now by the grace of God. That's actually a loving gesture from God that he's put me right here right now and he journeys with me. We need to remind ourselves that we are where we are by the grace of God. But not only that, right? It says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. But he also says, I worked harder than any of them. In other words... I took the hand I was dealt, right? Like I played the cards that I was dealt and I did everything I could with them, right? I didn't just look at the hand and be like, this sucks and then fold and get out of the game, right? He says, I worked hard. I took what God put me into. I took who God made me and I did everything that I could. I worked hard with it. I strived to grow. I strive to bless people. I strive to take hold of love, of passion, of purpose, all of those things. I didn't fold because I didn't like the hand. I took all of it, the things that I like and the things that were uncomfortable for me, and I played my heart out. That's what we do because we have a sacred purpose and design, but also not only that, we have to remind ourselves that other people have a sacred purpose and design, and they are what they are by the grace of God. And so when you look at someone that you perceive as like superior to you, whether that's an attitude that they have or whether that's just like something you're observing, when you see someone and you're like, wow, that person is so much more attractive. And I look in the mirror and I don't like what I see, but they like, why do they get all the luck? Why did they get genetically blessed? Right? That person is that way by the grace of God that for whatever reason, God chose to put them in that body. When you look at that person and you think that person is so smart and it doesn't seem like it even have to work and I'm just here slaving away. First of all, we have to remind ourselves that we don't always know the full story of everybody else. But we have to remind ourselves that they have purpose and design and God has made them who they are. He's put them in the time, in the place, in the body, with the gifting and the skills by his grace. And so it would be foolish for us to grow resentment in our heart towards them because that's just the way that God made them, right? We cheer people on. We acknowledge that everybody has certain giftings, certain blessings, and also certain limitations, everybody. No one is exempt from that. And the third thing that we do when we get in that mind spiral of comparison is that we embrace healthy comparison. Comparing people's processes and practices can make us better. Hebrews 6 tells us this. It says, and we desire that each of you would show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. In other words, this is a call to say, hey, wake up, look around at the people who are taking hold of the things you're trying to take hold of wake up, look around, don't just kind of be like, ah, it's fatalistic, I'll never improve, it's not worth the effort, it's not worth the energy, I take two steps forward, three steps backward, I just get discouraged and I give up. It actually says no. wake up, look around, don't be sluggish, be imitators of the people who are doing it, right? That we can come to a place like this, get together and say, hey, do you know what? We're all progressing and regressing and progressing some more, and we're all working this out together. And so I can go to the people who are a little bit further ahead of me. I can look at the people who are in a season of just, like, blessing and favor and say, hey, how are you approaching this? What are the things you're doing? Are you meeting with God in the mornings or the evenings? Or, like, how is this working for you? That we would fix our eyes on Jesus, but that we would also find the people who have the same goals and be imitators with each other so that we can move forward together. The fourth thing that we do when we're in that spiral is we, at all costs, avoid pridefulness. Because here's what a prideful posture is. A prideful posture in our heart is this. I want glory for myself, and I see other people's success as a threat to my self-glory. Right? And so we can never celebrate with people when they succeed, whether or not it has anything to do with us. Because what I'm after when I'm in pridefulness is I'm after my own self glory and I see other victories as a threat to that. And that is not how God designed us to see the people He created. When pride rules you, when it gets in the driver's seat, comparison, jealousy, and selfish ambition are the result. That's where it takes you. James 3 tells us it says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition are exist. There will be disorder and every vile practice. When we get into this like self-glory, like I want all the praise, I want the victory, I want the accolades, I want everyone to be impressed with me above all else, above all others, right? That never takes us to a good place, right? That's never taken me anywhere I wanted to be. That's never gotten any of the things for me that I wanted in the depths of my heart. And so here's the question, how do we do, like what do we do in the moment to combat harmful comparisons? Do you know I'm going to invite the band, band if you want to come up and start setting up you can do that. Here's the first thing that you do to fight comparisons. Name the specific craving that you're feeling. When you're, in that, when you're in like fight or flight mode, when you start looking at someone else and you start talking bad to yourself about your, about you, here's what's going on, is that's not just like a general dissatisfaction, that's not just like a I feel broadly discouraged, right? Like that might be on its surface, but the invitation to name that craving is pop the hood and look deeper because there's something specific going on there. It's like I feel under threat because I want this specific person to see me this way. And it feels like they're not. And that feel, really feels threatening to me, like to be able to name it, to actually dig in. Because sometimes we just think like, I feel bad and it's mysterious and I don't know why. And actually what we need to do is put on our hard hats and start excavating to get to the bottom of it so that I can name it and say like, okay, what's the thing that feels like it's being zapped in me right now? What's the thing that's like, I actually deep down inside have this desire of like, what, how people will perceive me or how I will connect to other people. Or or how I will perform, all those things. I have this deep desire and it's specific right now how it feels threatened and it ne- we need to be able to answer for ourselves: what is the specific thing that this is flaring up for me? The next thing we do is this, we repent. We repent from undervaluing the way that God made us. Right, Because sometimes when we get into comparison, what happens is we think, oh, that person is so much stronger than me. They've got the bigger muscles than me, and I'm over here, and I'm feeling weird, and I'm feeling scrawny. And really, this is a a disgruntledness that I have with God, where it's like, what the heck, God? Why would you make them that way and me that way? I feel dissatisfied. Or when we look at the person who it's like, well, they have all the money, right? Like they have all this freedom and they can do all of these things. And I grew up in this situation. And I said, what the heck, God, do you love them more? Do you not love me? And we undervalue the way that God designed us. Right? God designed you on purpose. With purpose, He puts you right where you're supposed to be. He graced it for that. Even the discomfort, He graced it for you. So we repent from undervaluing the God, way that God made us. And we repent from resenting other people for the grace that God has given them. When you go around and you look at the people and you feel under threat, not because of anything even that they did, but just you perceive them as in some way superior or as in some way possessing something that you want and you resent them for that, that's something we need to repent of because God. God designed them that way. God loves them and he has good things for them. And the final thing that we do when we feel under threat is that we feed our souls with the promises of God. You have to go back to the well and remind yourself that God made you on purpose, with purpose. Get back into the word of God and remember the promises. Remember the things that he said about you, that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, that he knows you. He knows every hair on your head, that he bought you with his blood if you'll have him, that he loves you that much. We feed our souls with the promises of God and that prideful comparison, that brokenness cannot stand against that. So here's what I want us to do is we're going to close and we're going to have a time of worship and I want to invite you to talk about these things with God. Whether that's that you need to go to the prayer wall and write out a prayer or you need to go to the back and get on your knees or you need to get to the front and get on your knees or if you need to be like hands in the air going all in or if you need to grab someone and pray with them. I mean, you know better than I do what this next few minutes of your life are supposed to be. But I want to encourage you and invite you to take hold of it. Don't shy away from it. Don't resist it. Um, Be present here with us and with God. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to invite you up to the stage to uh, worship with us, um, and we'll do some business with the Lord. Sound good? All right. Jesus thank you so much that you made each one of us every single person here deliberately um, God that you love them and it's your grace in each of their lives that they're here right now it's your grace in each of their lives your love your unmerited favor that they are exactly who they are God that there's room for growth for progress for striving for um, achievement for taking hold of new adventures all of that but God that um, the the baseline of who you made each of them to be isn't something to be hated to be resented to be insecure about God that You did it deliberately, and that means that we should celebrate it because you don't make mistakes. You just don't. And so, God, would you help us to love each other well? God, would you help us to remind our brothers and sisters of how great they are uh, when they don't feel it, when they can't see it, when they don't believe it? Um, And, God, would you help us to remember and to preach this to ourselves, God, to encourage ourselves when we are the ones discouraging ourselves, that we could put a line in the sand and say, no, these thoughts don't get to dominate me. These, uh, these thoughts don't win. Um, you have the final word, God. And so would you have the final word in us? We love you, God, and we thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Calvary HSM podcast. We would love if you could connect with us on social media using the handle at CalvaryHSM805 on Instagram or going to our website, calvarywestlake.org slash HSM. We always have fun things going on and we want you to be a